Welcome back to Podcast 2 of 2024. I'm your host, Kiev O'Neill. You can follow me on Twitter at OBKiev. Follow us at The Ozbreakers and follow us on social media slash The Ozbreakers. This episode is being brought to you by BetMGM. For an up to $1,500 sign-up bonus, please visit the podcast descriptions. Click on the link, Terms, Conditions, and Location. Apply. If you'd like to support The Ozbreakers and benefit from our premium plays, please visit theozbreakers.com. Click shop and become a member. Pick any for winning cappers to get their premium plays before the line moves. You can also support us on patreon.com. And if nothing else, please visit the Ozbreakers and become a free picks and telegram subscriber. All right, here we are after the new year. Looking forward to a big weekend of sports. The NFL is kind of all over the place. If you've listened to this show before, you know. The last weekend is very information-based, and the lines will continue to keep moving based upon that information. Not all teams are motivated. Uh, some teams and some matchups are both motivated, and uh, it's almost like a playoff game in itself in itself, for some of these teams uh, as well. We also have to remember that some of these teams want to play. Spoiler, if they're not in it, the Bears versus the Packers is one of them. And we're going to get into all that when we go over our, our full slate of NFL games. We also have the final game in the college football CFB Invitational with Michigan against Washington. So I'm going to talk to you a little bit about that. Talk to you about some potential bets that can be made in that game. And then finally, we have a wonderful guest. Mr. Eric Haslam from Haslametrics is going to come on to talk about college basketball this weekend. Some of the big matchups coming up as well as his wonderful site, Haslametrics.com. Can't wait to get into that. But before we get into all that, I want to remind you that our basketball packages are up and our handicappers have been doing fantastic. Use the promo code basketball. 2024 for a hundred bucks off any basketball package here at the oddsbreakers.com. We have the best prices in the business. Sean is on a 20 and five run in college basketball. I myself am back in the black in college basketball. Can't wait to get into a wonderful weekend and a wonderful 2024 actually of college basketball all the way through March Madness into the NCAA championship game. So, all right, let's get started without further ado on the college football championship. Of course, I call it invitational because they left out an undefeated Florida State. Now, I'm not going to always be this bitter. I think when the team, when the committee, now that we have 12 playoff teams, gets it right and doesn't leave out an undefeated team, whether it be the UCFs of the world, even the liberties of the world deserve the chance, then yeah, I will definitely be fine with having it a playoff. But if you're leaving teams out that haven't lost a game, I have a massive problem with crowning somebody a national championship myself. So that's just my opinion on the situation. Doesn't mean that Michigan is not the number one power rated team as they have been all year in my power ratings. I honestly believe... 
both undefeated Michigan and Washington are very well deserving to be in this spot. And you know, Michigan wins this game. They should be the national champions because they've been number one in my power rings, even though Florida State also can claim that award in my mind as well. So Michigan, if it was just a one-team system like they used to have years in the past with the BCS and all, I think it would be Michigan. And uh, right now I'm really glad it is Washington because you have another undefeated team proving that they are worthy of being in this game. And this spread of just being four and a half points really tells you that uh, you got one hell of a shot here uh, if you're Washington. Now, I think that if it was Georgia, the spread would probably be close to pick them. I, I would. I think most people in the market look at Georgia as slightly better, slightly worse, very close to what Michigan is. I have Georgia in the top of my power ratings as well. Uh, a most deserving system doesn't put Georgia in the playoffs. Uh, a best type system really does put them in the playoffs. And I actually have Georgia in my top four for sure. Uh, and Alabama as number five, even after the loss that they just suffered to Michigan in overtime. But either way, we're looking at a Washington team that is a number eight in my power ratings right below Oregon. Now, I'm not going to go in the whole conversation of if they play each other again because Oregon would be favored. I'd still be betting Washington, right? I'm not going to go into that conversation again. But either way, I only have Michigan about three and a half points better on a neutral field over Oregon in itself. This spread opened up three and a half, went up quickly to four and a half. Total of this game is about 55.5. Not a little, lot of movement there. You know, the total in these games usually lean more towards the under because championship games go towards the under for certain reasons. Part of the reason is that you, the, the kids tighten up a little bit, I guess. The coaches tighten up a little bit in their play calling. Uh, and the officials tighten up a little bit. They're not going to... Uh, call as much holding calls and penalties on the defense, defensive holding, things like that, because they don't want the game necessarily. They don't want to be in the spotlight in general. So that's uh, why these big games go towards the under, in my opinion. Uh, I think it's a great total. I would make it 57, personally. I see a lot of potential scoring in these two teams against uh against kind of how they match up now i see more of a path here for michigan and that's why my number is three and a half uh, michigan uh yards per play net yards per play only 0.22 uh you can argue about the strength of schedule i would say washington had the strength of schedule in general a little bit higher i mean they got to play texas although michigan got to play alabama i think alabama's probably looked at as a little bit more talented, even though Texas beat Alabama. But uh, you look at what Washington went through in the Pac-12, the Utahs, the uh, the Arizonas, the uh, Oregons twice. You know, it's uh, it's not that far from each other, really. So, uh, in my opinion, I think it's kind of a push if you look at the strength of schedule. But either way, I think that this late in the season, you have a lot of data points as it is. 
some of the basic stats. Michigan's yards per rush is only 4.25, and Washington's is 4.4. Really tough to look at that metric and agree with it because Washington was beating a lot of teams, right? And so a lot of teams weren't really rushing a ton against them. This is the Pac-12. They're more of a passing type of league, really, as it is. Uh, Washington's rushing success rate is really bad, ranking 129th in opponent rushing success rate. But when you're Michigan, when you're when you're winning, you only need three or four yards every time you rush to get to the first down, right? Uh, and that's kind of what they do. Teams know that their Michigan's going to run on them, and they stack the box. And and the truth of the matter is, is that Michigan is actually a better running team than their yards per rush show, uh, just based upon what I've seen. Uh, rush EPA is probably a better metric to use because of that. You know, how successful are you? Well, they're number 45 in rushing success rate, so that's better for the actual success rate. That means making your first downs, getting your yards per down is kind of what you're looking at for uh, success rate. But they're number 30. Also in rush EPA, 30. So they can run the ball very well. Their dropback EPA is number three. You know, you're looking at these two teams. They're fantastic. Michigan is ninth in total offense success rate. Well, Washington is fourth in total offensive success rate. Washington also runs the ball very well themselves, but Dylan Johnson was injured, right? Dylan Johnson's injury could factor into a little bit of their success. Now, according to Kalen DeBoer, he re-aggravated his foot injury. I mean, the, the way he limped off the field and was kind of carted off later <laughs> makes you feel like it was a little bit worse than that. But, I mean, he's really downplaying it, so... Do you believe him? No. <laughs> I don't ever believe these coaches in these situations because it does, it never benefits them, to be honest. The only thing that benefits them is winning games because that's how they are judged. And if he wants to pull the rug over someone's eyes, he's going to. I think a lot of coaches have. Uh, there's a lot of coaches that are in trouble for things, including Michigan right now. There's a whole other conversation if Harbaugh's coming back or not. But going back to some of these basic stats, I do give Michigan a massive rushing advantage, especially because Russia, Washington's rush rank as a success rate is really bad. If teams really focus in on it, they can chop down the field on Washington. Why they haven't they in the past? Well, they get a little pass happy, I think. You know, it, They're not successful on their first two rushdowns. It's third and six. Maybe they could run the ball. They throw it and they get out. And Washington's pass defense is better than the rush defense. Their opponent QBR is 32nd, uh, while Michigan's QBR is 5th. So you still have an advantage passing for Michigan at 5th there. So um, both offenses are great. It's just that Washington's defense is a little suspect against the run. And if they're going to stack the box and obviously help out their defensive line and linebackers a little bit there by focusing more about the box Michigan's going to key around it and that's how good Harbaugh is in these situations that's how good he is in scheming things up they'll key right around that and they've seen it before in the past and I'm sure Ohio State many times has tried this against them and so has Penn State so 
Washington in general plays a bend and don't break style, and they played it against Texas, and it worked having the lead. But Kalen DeBoer had some really dumb decisions at the end of the game by running the ball when he should have been taking knees. He also had some strange ones a little bit earlier on the drive before allowing Texas back into that game. I thought he was really trying to blow that game almost. That would have been something for the ages if they lost that game, but they ended up winning it, so people forget about it. But if you want to look at pure coaching by the metrics itself, I have to give that to Harbaugh. I rant and rave about how much I like Kalen DeBoer, but his end-of-game stuff can be a little bit questionable, and that's his only weakness. As far as Jim Harbaugh is concerned, not a lot of weaknesses so far. (laughs) He seems to uh, have gotten out of the whole choke thing and obviously beats the big teams now and has grown, you know, and he was good back at San Diego State and Stanford, you know. He was great at Stanford, made that a top-five program at one point, you know. Uh, He's just... uh, had his issues a little bit when he went to Michigan, couldn't beat the big teams, and then he figured it out. Well, that's where Michigan has the advantage, the coaching and the run game. Now, the problem is, is if Washington gets the lead first, Washington can definitely put some pressure on Michigan, and Michigan might feel like they have to abandon the run a little bit. I don't know if Harbaugh would fall down that rabbit hole early, but that's the big question. How good is this offense, really, for Washington how good can Michael Penix be in this game? They seem super motivated. They seem very good and almost unstoppable. If you look at what they did to Texas's defense, and man, does Texas have a good defense with Murray in front? I think their offense is even a little underrated in general. So that's the biggest matchup to watch is Washington offense against Michigan's defense because if Washington's going to have success, then this is going to be a lot harder for Michigan to keep running the ball as this game gets later and later. But the reason that you see a 4.5 spread is because that's where the success can be. They found a much better path for Michigan here to uh, win this game than Washington. Now, I think 4.5 is slightly high. Um, I made a little bit of an inkling of a play on it. I might be coming back on Michigan certain way. Money line most likely. I doubt it gets down to three. I kind of thought it would go down to three at some point because of Michigan having to go to overtime and a few other reasons. But I have all day. And money lines are usually a good play because in national championship type games, uh, a lot of people just take the dog on the money line. And it pushes the uh, juice down on the favorite on the money line. So I might even go for a middle here. But just to be completely honest, I think Michigan wins by three to four points. That's why my number's three and a half. I think that it's a very backdoorable spread. If Michigan's up 10 points, if they're up 13 points, uh, Washington can kind of get back in the game. 13's obviously not enough to cover four and a half. But, uh, you know, this could be a nine-point game, 10-point game at the end. This is where it could be backdoored. So I see some path of victory where uh, Washington and their stud receivers, and man, do they have good receivers, could uh, possibly even compete with Michigan's secondary itself. So that's something to think about as well. You know, Michigan, thank goodness, played a somewhat incompetent quarterback in in Jalen Milrow. They did hold him to only 116 passing yards, so they did a fantastic job doing that. Don't get me wrong, but you're going to be going against some really – stud receivers here uh, for Washington. 
And that's the big question mark here. Can the secondary match up well against Washington's Romo Dunze, uh, Jalen Polk, and uh, uh, McMillan? Jalen McMillan, right? Uh, just some studs right there. But they also have Westover, a tight end that's a, kind of a beast. It's Michigan secondary, even though they rank probably the top one or two in college football, they're still going to have uh, a little bit of a rough time, and they're going to have to be absolutely in shape for this game because Washington plays fast. They're going to run a fast game, and they're going to try to get those receivers in space a little bit, something that Bama wasn't able to do, not just the last game, but really all year long. You didn't see Bama's passing game lighted up all year long. Those receivers couldn't get in space. They did a lot better last year when Bryce Young was the quarterback uh, when it comes to that. But, hey, that's what their deficiency was. Let's see if Washington's is big enough to get stay in this game. But right now I think the best props to take is Blake Corum over his rushing yards. I think they're going to use him heavy. I even think Donovan Edwards is going to get his uh, carries as well. Now the props didn't come up yet, but it only makes sense that Michigan focuses on uh, that type of situation. Uh, one thing about Washington's defense is they don't allow explosive plays. They rank 16th in opponent explosiveness. So I find that a, a good potential reason to not bet the over. Michigan, number 20th, allowing explosive plays. But it, it doesn't mean that the running backs aren't going to get six to eight chunks of yards every single time they get the ball. And you might see props in the 80s or 90s. When it comes to Blake Corum, and I think he's going to get 100 yards here. I, I would think that Blake Corum is going to be the focus here of this game, and uh, I believe he's going to get there. Now, Edwards, anything below 30 uh, rushing yards for this game, I'm certainly going to look at. He wasn't look he wasn't used heavily last game uh, at all. As a matter of fact, it was almost all Blake Corum. But just looking on the year, uh, Blake Corum has about. 1,111 rushing yards, while Donovan Edwards has almost 400, 393. Uh, Attempts-wise, Blake Corum has over twice the attempts and more yards per rush. So I would target Blake Corum unless his number is astronomical here when these props come up. But I personally think Michigan wins the title. Uh, Minus three, minus three and a half is my number. I lean Washington at the four and a half. Uh, but I think Michigan, there's a couple different fun ways I'm going to bet it for premium subscribers when this comes up. So officially, we'll just go with Blake Horm over his rushing yards for this podcast. All right, well, that brings us to NFL Week 18, and it is a turbulent week of sports betting, my friends. The Pittsburgh Steelers are opening on Saturday at the Baltimore Ravens. Pittsburgh has to win but that doesn't mean they get in, okay? And that's why they're road favorites against Baltimore, who's already clinched the number one seed. Um, this is interesting that it's three and a half, and the reason why it's not longer, like the Cincinnati-Cleveland game, is simply that John Harbaugh does not like to lose, and he doesn't like to go in losing, and he's benched his players before and came out massively flat on a bye week coming in, losing in the playoffs so i i'm not so sure he's going to be invested in that now he is going to be smart and bench lamar i think that's smart to do he's going to put in huntley um but i still think you're going to see a good amount of the other players there 
trying to win this game. And this he's almost like saying, hey, Huntley, go show me what happens if Lamar, Lamar gets hurt in the playoffs, you know. I think you're going to get a big effort. And this being this is a division game, I think there's going to be some motivation at home here to stop Pittsburgh from making the playoffs. Now, Pittsburgh needs some things to happen. A win is only going to give them a 46% chance of making the playoffs or a 66% chance of making the playoffs. Because if they win, they need Buffalo to lose too, right? They need Buffalo to lose. And uh, that's very important in this situation. And I'm not so sure Buffalo is going to lose. Their chances, even if they get in to lose, is 67%. So after their win, they would need Buffalo to lose or Jacksonville to lose essentially to make it now buff both buffalo and jacksonville are favored so that's essentially what you're looking at as a steelers fan so it's not even perfect if you can win this game you're still biting your nails for the rest of the weekend so looking at this i really think that baltimore is going to put on their preseason hat and try to beat this steelers team now is kenny pickett playing yeah, but he's bitter about Mason Rudolph taking his starting position. And I'm kind of bitter, too, being that I drafted him as a rookie in Dynasty Fantasy Football. And I finally dropped him, like, early in this season. And uh, now, all of a sudden, he's the starter. You know, It's kind of like, where the hell was this all last four or five years, Mr. Mason Rudolph? But either way, here we are, another bench quarterback that what everyone thought was worse than Mitch Trubisky, including the Steelers themselves, uh, shines and uh, earns the starting job, at least for the quick time being. But I also thought that that makes more red flags pop up in this situation because now you're in a do-or-die situation and you don't even know if you're going to do even with a win in this game. So it's a very awkward situation, I think, for the Steelers here playing against a Ravens team that, man, they would be about 11 or 12-point favorite if both teams were motivated at home in this situation. This is a massive line flip, in my opinion. I say take the Ravens here uh, just based upon Harbaugh, the situation, them getting to take a division rival out, and the fact that you have really not a proven quarterback for the Steelers. Take it at 3.5 for two stars. Uh, playoffs? Don't talk about it. Playoffs? You kidding me? Playoffs? Next game, the Houston Texans versus the Indianapolis Colts. Colts are plus one and a half at home. The total is 47 and a half. I have a couple conflicting situations here. From a pure power rating standpoint, I have the Texans as a better team than the Colts, right? I do. Although they've been banged up, you know? quite banged up and uh it doesn't and it kind of pulls this a little bit closer together for where i think that this should be more of a two-point spread uh it two two and a quarter is where i have the texans favored at now the texans are road favorites at minus one and a half so i'm not too far off the number here i also don't trust the colts a hell of a lot in a uh situation where they might not get blown out so i'm not loving a home dog teaser leg here this is kind of a road revenge spot because 
the Texans lost this game by a lot earlier in the season to the Colts. It was at home, 31 to 20. And granted, it was way back in September 17th, but still, that was a definite head scratcher. When that happened, the Colts are able to match up quite well, in my opinion, over the years at least, uh, on the Texans. The Colts won five of the last seven games straight up. Against the spread, Houston tied them in 2022, so they did cover a seven-point spread. Houston tied them January of 23 when they also played the last game of the season. But Indianapolis, like I said, beat them the very last game by a lot of points. So uh, just the last 10 games, uh, Colts 7-3 and three against the spread against the Texans and 7-2 and two straight up. So that's pretty advantageous to the Colts. Now, obviously, you have new coaches and all that and lots of changes. So how much can you hold water to that? Not as much. Definitely not as much for sure. But they did have the same coach earlier in the season when they got blown out. This is a high total at 47.5. My number's actually right there as well. I'm, I'm at 48.5 for this total. But nothing would surprise me this game. I think Jarner Minshew's been there before, and you're going to have a very hard-fought game. I would make the Texans minus two points exactly to where my power ratings are. So right now, I don't have a heck of a lot that I want to do with this game. The Colts' strength is running the ball, while the Texans rank third in opponent rush EPA. So that's important. Uh the Texans are the much better passing the ball. Uh, they're ranked pretty high. Uh, 15th, well, it would be better if Stroud wasn't hurt, but 15th in dropback EPA while the uh, Colts are 17th. And uh, success rate is the uh, same thing, actually, 15th and 17th. But on defense, uh, I believe the Colts are a little bit better against the pass, ranking number 14 in dropback EPA while the Texans are 21. So these are, these matches are not that far f- off from each other. I, I think I'm going to give you a lean for the, the Texans here for the later game on Saturday. Then you have the Bucks versus the Panthers. The Panthers have been absolutely terrible. The Panthers win this game. Uh, not a lot has changed. They are still going to be the worst team in all of football. And that is because the Commanders have four wins, and the Cardinals have four wins. So they have two, and if they get three wins, not much changes. Now, would it motivated? Would it be motivational for them to take the rival division rival Tampa Bay Buccaneers out of the playoffs? Sure, yeah, it would be wonderful if they can take them out of the playoffs. Uh, if Tampa loses, they have less than one percent chance of getting in. I'm pretty sure it's zero percent, but at the same time. They're still a terrible team. Tampa's coming off a really ugly loss. I can see a massive effort here for the Tampa Bay Bucks. Uh, Tampa, obviously, numbers-wise, is much better in almost every single facet of the game, even uh, maybe not against the pass. I, I suppose against the pass is where the Panthers aren't putrid, ranking 20th in dropback EPA, while Tampa ranks 25th, but against the run, you know, Carolina dead last, number 32nd in opponent rush EPA, while Tampa Bay is number sixth against the run. Pretty big difference there. Uh, Dropback EPA, Tampa Bay number seven, Carolina is number 29th. 
So the only thing that's a little bit closer is the Rush EPA, where Carolina ranks number 25th and Tampa Bay ranks number 28th. But this is why you see Tampa as a big row favorite. So from my metric algorithm, and you have a lot of data points for it now, I have Tampa Bay by 6.1 points. If you use the full season, if you use just the last three games, Tampa Bay is minus 11. So I'm close to making a play on Tampa Bay that here, not quite there just yet, but certainly considering it. And another thing that I want to remind you to check before I forget is the weather. There's definitely going to be some serious weather this weekend for uh, some of these games, some cold, some wind, possibly some snow in the New England game. So always factor that in, keep that in mind that that could happen. Carolina is going to be 15 mile per hour winds, not quite enough to move the needle, in my opinion. Next game, the Jaguars versus the Titans. Jaguars are minus three and a half. The total is 39.5. Now, I only have the Jaguars by minus two points. Now, they've had their injury woes. I don't think that they're going to get their uh, good receiver back yet in Christian Kirk. I think he's got the window open, so he could technically play this next game. I'm just not sure if they're going to do that. Trevor Lawrence, limited, banged up. He missed last game. Zay Jones has just been banged up the whole year. It's an ugly situation here. And I mean, I'm hoping that Jacksonville wins and makes the playoffs because of it. But um, they've just been a farce this year. And they've had some bad injuries. And uh, last year, the injuries were a lot nicer to them. They weren't, they didn't hit the injury bug nearly as bad as they did this year. I remember these two teams faced off last year. And, you know, the receivers and the skill positions and, Obviously, Trevor Lawrence was healthy. Now, they have less injuries than you'd think, but just the magnitude of Christian Kirk and Trevor Lawrence and Zay Jones is a lot more than it was. So when I mean injury bug, I just mean the significance of the people that are out. Now, at Tennessee, I I don't even know what the hell to think of this team. They're, I, I'm not sure what if Vrabel lost them or not. Now, they love to play spoiler. Last year, it was a playoff game in Week 18. If you remember, at nighttime, they had a shot. And uh, they almost beat the Jaguars with Josh Dobbs. The truth of the fact is, is that the Jaguars are just too beat up for me to know. And I just cannot trust the Titans again. I was on them last week, those pricks. (laughs) And uh, they lost. And they, they didn't just lose bad. They didn't even come close to sniffing the cover against the uh, Texans. 26 to 3. You know, I thought they would have put up a little bit better of an effort. I mean, I'm a lean Tennessee. Don't get me wrong. I'm not taking Jacksonville with the hook right there. I can't trust them, but I can also can't trust either team. Very low confidence level in this situation. Vikes versus Lions. Lions minus three and a half, total 45.5. This was down to three, and I'm scratching my head because I gave this out early at four and a half. Very poor line value. Why the heck would the Lions not want to try this game in chance of the later games, the Eagles and the Cowboys, or one of them losing. That could absolutely happen, right? Um, Both losing could happen, actually. And that would improve their seed. 
you know, that would improve their seed from three to possibly two. Now, if there's any team I want to avoid as long as possible, it's the 49ers. You know, uh, that's where that two seed kind of comes in a bit, right? You, you're guaranteed the playoff home game. Uh, if you get to the divisional finals, you know, you're going to play probably the Cowboys or Eagles at home. Whether if you're the three seed, you might be stuck playing the Cowboys or the Eagles on the road. That is not a great situation that I want to be in if I'm the Lions. And uh, uh, I personally would uh, want to win this game. But if you look on the other end of things, look at how bad the Vikings have been. I think O'Connell might have lost this team. Nick Mullins is going to start this week, but Nick Mullins is better than Jaron Hall. And the team really looked, the defense even knew it last year, and they didn't even show up against the Packers at home, you know? And that's what you're going to do at home, and now you're going to go on the road and put up an effort against the Lions when now you're out of the playoffs? Forget about it. I like the Lions here at minus three and a half. I like them all the way up to minus six in this situation. I think the Lions win this game with margin. Dan Campbell is that kind of coach who likes to put a fire up their asses, kind of similar to Harbaugh in these situations. He's not going to be a loser here and limp into the playoffs week. He wants the two seed. I'm going to think that uh, this should be a cover for the Lions. So take it at the three and a half for two 0.5 stars. You better lock it up. You better lock it up. No, you lock it up. You lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. Please. Next game, Browns versus Bengals. This line went to seven. And I'm like, why? It's not like the Bengals have an all-star cast going on here either. Now, are the Bengals as beat up as what the Browns are going to look like. And I shouldn't use the term beat up. Are they as deficient as the Browns because the Browns are going to rest a ton of players? No, they're not. But still, this game last year, even though Cincinnati was out of the playoffs, or, or the Browns were out of the playoffs, they put on a big effort last year to try to knock Cincinnati off. I think the opposite happens. I think the Browns, are going to put a little bit of an effort up themselves. Now, it's going to probably be with somewhat of a skeleton crew, but their second string isn't that bad, and their defense is very good. If you remember, Cincinnati has some guys that I wouldn't play. I wouldn't play Jamar Chase here, shoulder hurting, chance of a, of a worse injury. I wouldn't play T. Higgins in a meaningless game. Maybe Zach Taylor does it, but I don't think it's the right choice, and if he gets one of those studs seriously injured, he's already screwed for next year, especially if it's a torn ACL or Achilles. I mean, this is January 2024. The season starts in September. You know, a torn ACL takes a year in many cases to repair itself. So I don't know. I, I mean, the, the Bengals' defense has been absolutely putrid this year just from an APA perspective and EPA per play the Browns are number one the Bengals are number 28 okay rush EPA the Bengals are number 27th and drop back EPA the Bengals are number 28th this defense is terrible and even a guy like Jeff Driscoll might be able to score against him so I'm thinking this spread is a little bit too high I'm still going to wait on it a little bit I don't know which direction it goes but I could even see myself playing both sides of this baby 
come game time. All right, Falcons versus Saints. Saints minus three and a half. Total is 42. I mean, I, I had a teaser leg in the Falcons last week, and somehow they just absolutely crapped the bed themselves. But looking back at their last matchup, Atlanta won this game uh, 24 to 15, and that was at home against New Orleans. So how about much does the script flip here? Well, Desmond Ritter was their quarterback last time, right? That's different now. Uh, Heineke's still listed as starter, and he's going to most likely start this game. Uh, the Bears were fortunate to get some turnover luck uh, against Atlanta last week. And when the Saints played the uh, the Tampa Bay Bucks last week, it was the same kind of thing. Baker Mayfield threw two interceptions, and then they fumbled the ball and lost it twice. You know, four to zero turnover ratio here. So, even though the Saints, uh, I wouldn't say it's a misleading final score, uh, it was certainly, you know, something to look at that they were very fortunate to hear. I, I have this game three points. I, I think the Saints should be favored by two to two and a half to three points. I think both coaches are absolute fools, uh, bumbling idiots. The Saints do have a decent defense, though. And that's what worries me a little bit. If um, Atlanta trying to score, I think Heineke could be a little bit turnover prone at times. And uh, just straight up general EPA per play, the Saints rank fifth, although the Falcons do rank seventh. But the Falcons are going there into their house to uh, play. And so it's a little bit more of a different situation. Now, what's funny is that the Saints are actually normally a better team away than they are at home. But the Saints are also better on offensive EPA, ranking 16th to the Falcons being at number 26. Very interesting game. And the Saints kind of gotten healthier in the right time. Olave's playing. He missed a little bit earlier in the season. Uh, Michael, Derek Carr's a little bit healthier. So I can see a path to victory. And But I just think that this point spread is really close to where it should be. I mean, my number is Atlanta plus 3.2 going from the full season. So this spread is probably perfect where it's at. Maybe if you think the Saints take care of business, you throw them in a money line uh, parlay type situation with another team you might like. I'd still wait on this, but essentially this is also a playoff game, being that both teams are still not out of it. Jets versus Patriots, uh, yeah, total 30.5. This is a teaser leg for the Jets. I know that the Patriots went to the Jets and beat them. I think Sala feeling good that he's working towards next year. I don't like either quarterbacks, really. I know the Patriots have been playing certainly a lot better lately and uh, probably deserved favorites. Reminder, Stevenson's still out, but the Patriots, man, they lost a ton of offensive line and it, this is going to be all up to Bailey Zappi and what he can do I think the Jets have been embarrassed this year and I think the Jets are going to have Trevor Simeon most likely starting this game but hey they still have Garrett Wilson uh, Xavier Gibson uh, a couple other playmakers like Brees Hall playing they just released Dalvin Cook because he was angry that he wasn't playing and they were nice and said you know what go to a championship potential team and let's see if someone picks him up but you know I think that the defense on both teams are still pretty well put together 
throughout what most of the season was. And this is probably a really good spread at two, but also an amazing teaser leg, especially with a lower total, like 30.5. Next game, the Bears versus the Packers. I actually have a premium play on this one. So I'm going to be passing on this game. Don't want to be talking about that. Moving on to the Seattle Seahawks versus the Arizona Cardinals. Seahawks in a situation where they can make the playoffs, but they only have a 44% chance of making it if they win. There's a lot of teams with tiebreakers over them, such as the Packers uh, and I believe the Vikings. I believe both of them have tiebreakers over the Seahawks if they lose. But either way, I mean... Same situation, Arizona wants to play, spoiler, but think about this. This is the later game, right? The Seahawks need one of the earlier games to lose. If Green Bay loses or ties, the Seahawks will be in the playoffs. So that motivation is going to change based upon the Bears game. You could literally bet this Seahawks-Cardinals game at the end of the Bears-Packers game. You know, if the Bears win, bet the Seahawks. They're going to be more motivated. I don't. Another situation you have to think about is even if the Seahawks can't make the playoffs, they still may want to win this game. I just think it's quite defeating for the players to kind of come in and be like, okay, great, we're now uh, out of the playoffs and playing the Cardinals. So they're going to know, and uh, it will show in their faces, in my opinion. But I think this number is kind of perfect at three. If... Uh, the, the Bears happen to win. You might want to look towards the Seahawks. If the Packers kind of win, look towards the Cardinals. This can be a fun one, a little bit of an experiment. Cowboys, Commanders, and this is a situation, if you remember, the Commanders beat the Cowboys by like 20-some points last year in this game with Sam Howell, and Sam Howell is the quarterback in this situation. Now the Commanders are worse than they were last year, believe it or not, without Chase Young and Montez Sweat. A couple other guys, but they somehow figured it out here at the end and this is the last hurrah for riverboat ron and the cowboys are just a bad under pressure team <laughs> this is not how the cowboys perform home road splits the cowboys are probably the worst team in all of football and that's something you you, you probably should look at the cowboys have also been bad the last three games they got smoked at buffalo they lost the one score game at miami allowed them to drive down the field and then they fraudulently beat Detroit based upon a dishonest referee. It's not looking that great for the Cowboys. And this is just a spot that they don't do all that well in. This team has a massive 1.1 yard per play difference. Home is 6.1. Away is 5.0. That's something to look at here. In this situation, now, there's others that have big ones like Baltimore as well, 6.6 to 5.3. Um, the Atlanta is 5.8 to 4.4. But the Cowboys are in one of the top lists where they're just a different team on the road. Now, they should beat a terrible Commanders team, but, hey, the Commanders are playing with house money now. They're not... They're not making the playoffs. <laughs> they have nothing to lose. I think this is too many points. And also, if the Dallas is up by 10 points at the end, they could definitely sit on this ball, try to just get out of this game and take this number one seed. I like the Commanders plus the 13 points for two stars. Next, uh, Eagles-Giants. Eagles have been just 
bleeding lately. Uh, I don't understand what happened to this team. Well, I do understand they actually have a harder strength of schedule and more of a banged-up defense now. But still, this Eagles team has not looked the part, um, especially from what they were last year. They obviously need Nicobe Dean back. He's uh, not off IR yet. He said, I guess he could play this game. I'd be very curious if he can make this game. But Devontae Smith is banged up. He wasn't spotted in Thursday's practice. I'm curious about him. Uh, Hassan Reddick was a non-participant. He's kind of questionable. So I, I look at it, this injury report, but I also want to say that Tyrod Taylor, as I said last week, makes the Giants better. And that's why I bet the Giants at, at against the Rams at home last week because I just have belief in Tyrod Taylor. Now, if we look at the full season metrics, I have Philly minus eight, not five. But if I factor in what's going on more recently, I have Philly more uh, minus seven and a half. I guess that's not much of a difference because the Giants have also been bad their last few games. But Tyrod Taylor has only been in really the last game and a half. So uh, I think that factors in a little bit too. And the Giants had a really tough finish to their year as well. But they just played a couple weeks ago on Christmas and the Eagles should have beat them by way more than eight points. So that's another thing I'm thinking about as well. I mean, I'm going to lean Philly. I like Tyrod Taylor. I'm curious who's coming back for this team. I think this is just a Nick Sirianni get it right game, and that's what it's lining up to do now. Unfortunately for Philly, if Dallas wins this game, you know, are they going to be scoreboard watching, which means the Cowboys would get the top seed uh, based upon the tiebreakers uh, against the Eagles. So that's definitely something to factor in here as well i'm just going to give you a lean to the eagles at the five right now i'm going to consider it for a play later uh rams niners i'm going to pass in this game niners are minus four you would think that the rams would want to win this game and just be a little bit better of a seed they could fall down to the uh seventh seed i believe instead of the sixth seed but i just don't think that even they're gonna know too much if the Packers lose to the Bears then they could retain that seed no matter what because they don't have to worry about the tie break with the Packers no more the Packers would be eight and nine the Rams would be nine and eight even with a loss uh the Packers would most likely be out of the playoffs and then they would have the tiebreaker over Seattle uh for sure so that would work out well for them and uh, they would have the tiebreaker over the Saints. But right now they announced that they're starting Carson Wentz. So there's not, you know, it's not like they're going to throw Matt Stafford in to move up a seed. There's not going to do that. Uh, I, yeah, I'm just going to skip on the uh, pass on this game. I lean Rams for sure, plus the four against a 49ers team that shouldn't be playing a lot of people. Uh, the Chiefs against the Chargers, another weird situation where no Mahomes. That's why the Chargers line moves so much. If Mahomes was in, this would be the Chiefs minus four or minus five. Be like a seven and a half, eight point swing. But other Chiefs are not going to play as well. But why would Ethan Easton Stick be favored on the Chargers when the Chargers are just probably trying to get the hell out of the season and go on vacation? Um, it's, it was an embarrassing year for the Chargers. And maybe, maybe winning this game 
tells them something, but it shouldn't because they're playing a bunch of guys that are locked into their seat and they really don't care in the Chiefs. And, uh, you know, they can't really improve anything. You know, that's the weird part about it. I, I, I think that they could slip into the two if the, you know, if the Bills win, they don't get the two. Uh, and if they win and the Dolphins win, they would still get the three anyway. So, no, they are uh, pretty much locked into their spot. So I'm going to pass on this game. Denver versus the Raiders. Uh, they really are trying to get Antonio Pierce as the head coach. Uh, the players are. Devontae Adams is saying some stuff. But does that mean they're going to blow the Denver Broncos away? I don't think so. Sean Payton is working towards next year. He's probably going to have these guys motivated uh, in this game. They were pretty close to making the playoffs they weren't exactly the first ones out they're eight and eight they didn't have a bad season but they can finish nine and eight you know this would be a big spot for denver i think this is a perfect teaser leg as well taking denver up to the eight and a half or nine depending upon what number you actually get when it all comes out and finally the bills versus miami miami plus three total is 49 and a half this is weird because miami was a two point favorite or a one and a half point favorite when they played the Cowboys at home and now that you're a three-point dog against the Bills now I know Miami has been a little bit injured but the Bills aren't exactly that much better than the Cowboys power rating wise and I also assume that Achin, uh, Waddle and Tyree Kill should be playing I, I mean, poor guy lost part of his house or maybe the whole thing from that fire, and there's probably a big distraction for him. But, hey, dude, you're multi-millions of dollars. I think just don't worry about the house and come in and play this game and try to uh, improve that seed in the playoffs here because you are guaranteed at least a wild-card spot, but getting the two seed would be absolutely freaking massive. So that's what you're kind of playing for, and you're also playing to knock the Bills out of the playoffs. I mean, I love the coach here. I think they have a better coach here in Miami. I know they went to Buffalo and uh, and lost really bad earlier in the season, but I think they kind of got off the, the schneid a little bit with these Dolphins when they beat the Cowboys. And I know they let down a bit at Baltimore. Some injuries happened. Uh, they, they, they probably just kind of folded up a little bit later at the end, but this is the spot they were really looking at. I believe they're kind of looking ahead to this Buffalo game after getting out of a nice Dallas win at home. The spread's too big. It over-adjusted. Uh, Miami should be able to pass the ball all over Buffalo. Buffalo's secondary isn't all that good. I think Buffalo's just been getting by based upon strength of schedule over the past few weeks. Remember, they were almost out of it, right? When they lost to Philly, then they beat, go to Kansas City and win. And Kansas City's nothing like they used to. They beat a Dallas team that was came in flat. They beat a terrible Chargers team by two points, and then they only beat New England by six points at home. Now you're going to go to Miami laying points against Tua and some studs there. I like Miami here, plus their three points for 2.5 stars. Go be the money! All right, that brings us to our Refuse to Lose teaser that better hit this week. <laughs> kind of been on a little bit of a lull. 11-6 and six now for the season for our Refuse to Lose teaser. It's going to start being a Refuse to Win teaser if this keeps up. But uh, I'm still happy where we're at at 11-6. and six. We're going to take, as I said earlier, uh, the Jets all the way up to eight points. And for the reasons I said, 
I don't think New England's all that good. I think the Jets are going to want to get that one final bang uh, for the end here. And the, they've been playing tough, tough lately. Also tough on defense. And they only lost at home to New England by five points before they figured a few things out. And uh, I also like the Broncos. I'm taking the Broncos all the way up to nine points here. I think that the Broncos are going to keep it very close to the Raiders team. This Raiders hit team has no offense whatsoever. I think that uh, Pierce is a good uh, defensive coach. I'm not sure if he's a great head coach yet. I, I like Denver to keep it close here to cover a very uh, ugly end-of-the-year game between two teams not in the playoffs, just playing for respect. Do that for three stars. Now it's time to talk a little college basketball with our guy, Eric Haslam from Haslametrics.com. Now I'm very excited to welcome back an analytics and bracket specialist to the Ozbreakers and Mr. Eric Haslam from Haslametrics.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Haslametrics. Eric, man, we are back. Conference season has started. College football is ending, so that means we switched to college basketball. How the heck you doing? I'm doing well, yeah. It's that time of season where uh, kind of I'm, I'm – you know, pro football's still hanging around, but college football's done. So, yeah, we're shifting. People are – the casual uh, college basketball fans are starting to get some interest. Usually they kind of stay away in November and December, but now we hit January, we hit February. It starts ramping up, and, you know, two months from now we'll be talking about, you know, bracketology, getting ready for March Madness already. Yeah, I can't believe it. It does creep up on you. And the NFL is extending themselves – a little bit, you know, with the yeah. the 17th game and now the Super Bowl's in mid-February. But, you know, college football's over, and this is what I do on my Saturdays and weeknights now is I watch college basketball. And now per- <laughs> and you've been, you know, it's so funny. It's like, I feel like we're starting, but to be honest with you, I've been following you since uh, early November, late October tweet about <laughs> college yeah. basketball. So, <laughs> so, you, so you get right into it immediately and stuff. But, yeah. Yeah, but that's wonderful, and it's nice to get a big joke on it. But uh, before we talk about just hoops in general, uh, is there any changes from last year to the Haslametric site? Any tweaks that you had to make or uh, any uh, new surprises? Yeah, nothing really. When it comes to the site itself, I wouldn't say that anything was really changed. I, you know, every so often toss back some ideas in my head back and forth about adding some different, you know, metrics, new things, new categories, things that I could display out there. But I kind of never get a around to doing it just because I have to go back and fill in all the stuff from the past like 10 seasons as well so I I didn't really make a lot of changes to the site as far as the algorithm goes I made a little tweak here and there I know one of them involved the the early analytical finals um you know as you know my my data is um really or I should say my ratings are very much dependent on transitive comparisons and you have a you know weird situations where you have different performance uh, teams performing differently against the same opponent and sometimes you may have a game go right down to the wire and then you have it the somebody else plays the same team and they win that game they're up by 37 with with 19 minutes to play in the in the second half and the question is how do you like compare those two performances especially when you know one is such a fraction of a game and the other is a full game you know and, and so in those some some of those situations where you have early analytical finals i try try to kind of take de-weight that that big performance that that overwhelming performance because mm-hmm. that the efficiency numbers can be blown out of proportion they they're legit numbers they actually happened um but they're just not indicative of you know i think of of the true nature of that team um, either team the team that lost and the team that won so um 
They're not predict. Yeah, it's not good to use them for prediction a lot. I I understand what you're saying because it's almost like the Dallas Cowboys at home against a bad team. You know, they blow them out, and it doesn't mean they're going to beat a good team. You know, it's just the way sometimes they they play, and it's just the way the crowd influences the the bad team. I mean, I feel like they in football have a higher home field advantage than others you know i think you're i think yeah. i think that's what you're kind of getting at it's hard to predict use that as a predictor if uh you know that's not going to happen all the time and uh especially when they're in a different situation right yeah well, yeah when you hit that real i mean if you're hitting an early analytical final you know, analytically final and you're the the winning team i mean it, you're, you're playing your best basketball and say the first 25 minutes of the game but you know is that if, yeah how do you compare that with the team that played its best 25 minutes you know, equivalently as good in the last 25 minutes, you know. Um, so hot, it, it's kind of a difficult way. The transitive comparisons are a mm-hmm. little bit tricky that way. And, and, and so I, de- I de-weighted some of the early analytically finals. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I ended up um, just kind of – and I may de-weight it some more. And I just okay. got to look at it a little bit more. Um, other stuff, you know, I, I that, like I said, ideas jump back and forth in my mind. I may – you know, make some tweaks here and there or some adjustments for um, efficiency and pace in the preseason next year. I'm looking at that. And then the consistency metric is something I'm probably going to change. Right now I'm using standard deviation. Standard deviation can be a little bit problematic. And I'll cite an example for you is that Kansas is probably one of the more consistent teams. But standard deviation identifies it as an inconsistent team largely because they had the, the biggest deviation from the expectation of any team this season. They're opening game against NC Central, which blew the expectation out of the water. So what I may end up doing is I may switch over to something called IQR, which is interquartile range, or maybe a hybrid of the two the two ways of evaluating consistency, um, just to try to kind of minimize that outlier that you're going to see there with what happened in that opening game for Kansas. I got you. So that's that's really interesting and probably just a lot to think about. And then like you always say, we want to dig the grave too, Jeep. We just want to keep it six feet down. Right. And you always run into that issue too, but I totally get it, man. You know, I'm just looking at Kansas here. I'm kind of surprised they're only 29th in the ratings right now. Yeah, for me, that's interesting. I mean, if you look at what they've done, there's no denying the teams that they've beaten. But I think the problem, and you can look at their record quality, and that's on my site, one of the, the metrics that I that I offer out there is record quality, and they're fourth in the country in record quality, which makes complete sense considering, they, you know, they beat t- uh, Kentucky, they beat Tennessee, they beat UConn. Um, and people could say, well, why is that the case? Why are they not showing up higher in the ratings? Well, the reason why is they're, they, they kind of deliver lackluster results against lesser opposition. So... This is probably a team that's going to play up to the level of their um, competition, and also play down to the level of their comp- uh, of their competition. So if you look at the, the ratings on, you know, you're you're showing it right there. You can see those game ratings on the far right side, and everything is pretty close to the expectation for a team that's ranked number 29, with the exception of that NC Central game, which was ridiculous, um, a plus 95.6, which I believe is tops for any team. <laughs> this season but other than that you look at it go you know they beat missouri who is you know fallen you know really fallen off this year they beat them by nine unimpressively at indiana they win that game by four um even the you know the yale win um in the wichita state games i mean those were a little bit better but you know eastern illinois beating them by eight you know that's that's a black eye on 
when you're trying to evaluate them from a metric standpoint. And you can say, well, that's an outlier too. I mean, but the argument can be made like, oh, that's an outlier, that's an outlier. But you can't really do that. And that's what I tell people and say when it comes to the analytics, you can't just arbitrarily, subjectively say, well, I'm going to cherry pick these three games, UConn and Marquette and Kentucky, because they make you know Kansas look better. You have to, you know, as I always say, Tebow, the entire body of work. You have to evaluate the entire body of work. And, you know, I people can say, well, look at them, what they've done against great opposition and say, yeah, but, you know, that the analytics don't know Duquesne from Duke from Drexel. Right. So right. It, it's, it's trying to figure this out on the fly. So if it looks and says, well, this is a team that beat Eastern Illinois by eight at home, that's not a very good performance. And it sees other performances like that as well. So, um, you know, over time, Early on, it's not. I'm not surprised to see Kansas not doing that well in the ratings now. But as time goes along, and you start playing teams like TCU and Oklahoma and Oklahoma State and Cincinnati and Iowa State, those are the games coming up in January for them. If they start thumping some of these teams in the Big 12, the the metrics are going to catch on pretty quick. Oh, absolutely, and I totally get it. I mean, Indiana's been a bad team, getting blown up on Nebraska yeah. too. It's like they're 101 ranking, and they only win by 40 points you know indiana is not what they should be and yeah. uh you know so that's why they're they're ranked lower than on some of the other sites that are out there right now and i totally get that but you know it's interesting it makes me think of a new metric and it's not even it's like what can you name it like uh a metric that says look they play down to their competition and they play up to their competition you know something that I, it's consistency involved but a little different yeah right I have one. I, so I, I have one. It's called the paper tiger factor. And I've tinkered with the idea of throwing it out there at some point. It's really hard to say because you're saying playing up to the level of their opponent down and then up and down is so subjective. If you're the, you know, if you're the 362nd ranked team in the country, everything is up. <laughs> you know, how do you, how do you do that? So. Right, right, right. Um, if you're looking at it from their perspective, I, right, I, I guess right. it would be a certain level of going up. It is yeah. the only way you'd look at it. But yeah, I would say maybe they only apply to teams that, uh, well, you know, I, I, it may be quadrants. You put them in quadrants. Like uh, the, if Kansas is, or if UConn's playing a team in the top 20, they're playing up, even though they're in the top yeah. 20. But if they're playing yeah. someone in the 100 to 150, they're massively playing down and anything lower that's even for, farther massive. But that's, just food for thought, right? We're tinkering. <laughs> yeah, that's something. And I throw that out there. I've thrown that, thrown that out there the last few years, and I probably will here in the next month. I'll just one day I'll say I want to take a look at the paper tiger factor, yeah. kind of rate the uh, the teams there play against you know better against great competition, the team huh. that play better against worse competition. And I've done that in the past, and I'll probably throw something like that out there in the next, could be even the next week. It just depends on when I decide to run the query and throw it out there. Absolutely loving it, man. Well, let's move on to uh, the next question that I've written down, and that is about the uh, biggest challenges. You know, running a site, I, I noticed uh, maybe a couple weeks ago your site was down. You tweeted about it. You're pissed. Yeah. I, my, when my site goes down, I get pissed. You know, I'm like, what the hell? There's yeah. nothing I can do. I feel terrible. Uh, yeah, that must be one of the challenges. But besides that, what are some of the other challenges running a site like yours? Well, I think the biggest challenge is probably, you know, you, you have to prepare yourself for the format changes of your sources. So, you know, years ago I looked into getting an official source that I could actually get the data from where they provide and I pay a service. 
Well, if you go to Stats LLC, they quoted me five figures per year out of the gates. And I don't know what five figures mean because that could be anything from 10000 to $99,999. I have no idea. But I, I don't exactly just have five figures of money sitting in the corner waiting to be spent. For, I, for I, official, officiating I'm, data? Did you say officiating data? No, I mean just stat data, statistics data, like Stats LLC. Oh, so oh, getting, oh like, getting more play data. Play-by-play play, play logs, things like that. Um Box score logs, getting the official delivery of that data from a from a bona fide source, um, and so you, as, because you can't really do that, you have to go out there and find the data yourself. And there are sites out there, obviously, everybody knows them, where they can show box score data, they show play by play data, and if you have access to that, you can write scripts to pull that information in. The problem with doing that is those sites at any time can change their format, and if they change the format. And the, the scripts that you're right are pulling the data, all of a sudden can't read it, everything kind of blows up. And that happens once every year, once every couple of years when it does. It's like, oh, God, all right, I got to fix this. And it takes me a few hours um, to fix it. And then I usually, and it may get to a point where I can't even read it anymore. If that happens, I got to throw my hands up and go, okay, this is a sign from God. I got to find another source or do it another way. Um, could get tricky. But like I said, I hope that doesn't happen during the, during the college basketball season. But you're still at the mercy of those sites. Um, I'd also say you're kind of at the mercy of the scorekeepers. One of the things that kept me up late last night was me coming across uh, how the play-by-play logs were were handled for a, a few games, I noticed, and I had to make some coding changes. Because, it, like for example, they, they changed the clock times in a play-by-play log for the Wisconsin-Iowa game. And while the guy was at the line shooting two free throws, his first free throw was at, like, 939 remaining the second free throw was at 937 well <laughs> obviously the clock was not running so the guy the guy was entering it wrong it but, a, yeah error yep but but you know the way you have to handle things it, this is it gets very tricky how to how to handle those play-by-play logs if you want that rich data to be brought in so that's another challenge um and then i think the other real challenge just right now it, just at my phase of my life being you know i'm going to be 50 next october just as the, the need to remain informed on the game versus the time element with this, you know, the family commitments and the responsibilities like that. So, you know, one of the things I see nowadays is so many people out there, it's kind of an arms race of these 20 somethings and 30 somethings, 30 somethings who are, Oh, I watched 13 hours of basketball on Saturday and another seven on Sunday. And I'm going to visited 12 different games this month and things like that. And I look at it and go, I, I just came to the realization I'm just getting too old for that kind of stuff. I, I just don't. I, I just don't have that. I I really came to the realization that I I'm going to do what I do. But you know what? My best friend is the are, are those eight minute videos on YouTube. And yeah. I can say like last night, for example, I play volleyball. I play competitive volleyball still at the age of 49. Um, I was you know just prepping for that, driving there, playing the game for an hour, coming back home, showering afterwards, and then selling down and doing other things helping my kid my kid you know prepare for a spelling bee today all these different things come up i didn't watch a single minute of basketball yesterday not a single minute uh but then i try to catch up and that's why i said these eight minute and 13 minute videos on youtube are probably going to give you what you want the best you can now if i get them you know a few hours to myself as i did tonight um you know watching this blowout between arizona and colorado and yeah. then it switched over little michigan and minnesota um you know, I'll, I'll I'll take advantage, but boy, you know that's that's the that's a challenge as well. Just the the need to remain informed on the game if you're going to be kind of a quote unquote expert, 
um, versus the time element once you hit the age of 49. Yeah, I mean, that is massive. But at least you're, you know, for the games you miss, this gets the data anyway, and you can see kind of what happened and just look at a box score without having to look at a ton of videos. And sometimes we all have to deal with that, you know, and my age Mm -hmm. too, I'm not far behind you. I know, I know what you're feeling, my man. That's that, that those are some (laughs) real challenges that you come across, but uh, we we love that you're doing it because we love your site. Um, When does preseason expectations completely expire from the metrics on your site? Yeah, that's, that's usually right around Christmas for me. It depends on the number of opponents and the number of transitive comparisons there are behind the scene, okay. behind the scenes that come out of those results. Um, and like I've always said, I think it's usually about, like usually the shortest day of the year, right around December 21st, but it's not across the board. You're going to see it kind of filter off. So you may, I, I think I posted back in November and December at one point that like I think Eastern Kentucky had shed like the minimum amount of its preseason weighting. It was like 56%. While I think the highest was like 92 or at the time. And by now, I haven't checked it. I'm guessing they've all shed their preseason rings. It's completely gone. Um, another thing I'm just kind of tinkering with, do I want to potentially extend the influence of the preseason baselines a little bit more? Um, I haven't in the past, but I'm open to it. I'm looking at some options in the waiting to see if I want to hold on to that a little bit longer. But, you know, it's it. I, I, I almost prefer to kind of drop the preseason baselines early because it's so subjective. I mean, you pick your own variables and then you create your own linear model for your preseason baselines, but, and it's got some accuracy to it, but I just re- prefer to rely on those transitive comparisons, the real life data. And I think that's what kind of really gives the site, the intrigue that it offers. Um, and so, whereas I may think of, you know, kind of pushing that down the road a little bit, maybe holding on to those preseason baselines. I doubt I will. I'll probably just, you know, keep it as is, I'm guessing at this point. Yeah, so interesting. BYU going up to number one, you know, and yeah. uh, and they're in the top 80 in the, or something like that, 70, 80 from the start of your metrics. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, you look on some other sites, Ken Palms, it, 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 BYU's number four, so they're kind of catching up anyway. What's interesting is that they're just massively blowing out bad teams. You know, the only top yeah. 50 team with, they played was well, San Diego State in Utah. You know, so yeah. I find that just so interesting that you wonder when they really step up in this Pac-12 or not Pac-12 schedule, but the uh, Big 12 conference schedule, uh, how that's really going to kind of come to fruition. Yeah, it's, you know, and that's the that's the, the challenge with the analytics is you can't, you know, ignore those results. They're still doing, like you said, they're blowing yeah. these teams out. They're behaving like an elite team would against that type of opposition. But like you, we talked about before, you know, there's teams out there that just fold like a cheap suit when they meet real opposition. And, you know, we're going to see pretty soon, and I can identify three Big 12 teams, BYU, Oklahoma, and Iowa State. All three of them, we're going to find pretty uh, find out pretty soon what they're made of. I'm because, glad like you I mentioned said about that. BYU, yeah, BYU, they're going to face, I think, I think I said that looking at my own rankings, I think they've faced two top 75 teams in their first what 13 15 games or whatever like that and you right. mentioned them san diego state and and utah their entire month of january is nothing but top 60 top 61 teams yes your yeah. entire month it's gonna so be, we'll find out soon enough 
it's going to be so interesting and uh, so fun to watch because a lot of these sites go by these metrics. And if they're not really going to step up uh, as an away team against a good defense, then that's something to fade. Uh, they have a very good home court advantage. That's going to be factored into the lines anyway in many cases too. So it's almost like that away situation is probably what betters are going to at least look at, but then the market catches up and that can be a little juiced in itself too. So I love how you mentioned Iowa State there too because we, we don't know what they're going to do. Um, started out very well. Uh, 11 and two very high in most ratings as well but they're a fun team to watch too and uh yeah strength strength of schedule with those three i mentioned this earlier with a buddy on on a radio show with my buddy uh i rate strength of schedule 256th strength of schedule for byu oklahoma 285 iowa state 325 so a lot of cupcakes (laughs) on these non-conference schedules for those three teams exactly Exactly. They did beat AM, but AM has been beat up too. So we'll see how that. Uh... Oh, no, they lost AM. Lost AM. They should have. They should you, you should have. They should have won from the way they yeah. shot in your match. Should have metric. I yeah. I, 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 Iowa State had the loss to Virginia Tech too. And I, I don't think Virginia Tech's a bad team. Uh, Oklahoma, we talked about them a little bit. They have their one loss, which was on a neutral court to North Carolina. Very understandable. And then they have the win against Providence. You know, they're number you know, between 50 and 60 for me. But, you know, uh, in the, uh, of those three teams, the really, really the only good win in there, I'd say those three teams right now is BYU beating San Diego State. That's probably it. That's so true. Absolutely. And, yeah, and I was just looking at um, Iowa State here. They're, they do face Oklahoma very shortly here on Saturday. So that's yeah. going to be a fun one to look at here, see who's yeah. really overrated and who's not. Oh, man, that's going to be fun. Uh, No, let's get into the next question here I have. And looking at the top four teams of all time, uh, who is your Mm -hmm. top four of all time? So when I got this question, I kind of thought, I I didn't know if we're talking historically from an opinion standpoint or if we're looking at just the Haslam metrics. The the Haslam metrics, the actual metrics. if that's the case, then it goes that I started back in 2014, 2015. So I kind of went back and I actually crunched the numbers, looked at efficiency margin to, to calculate the answer here. So um, you want to take a stab at who do you think number one is? Is it the Kentucky of 2015? It is Kentucky of 2015 right. with Andrew and Aaron, Aaron and Andrew Harrison yep. and Carl Anthony Towns and Devin Booker. Yep, that would be number one. You want to let's see if he, oh, if he can knock out another. <laughs> Let's see if you can get the next one. Oh, God. Uh, this is going to be tough. I'm going to have to throw, go. Throw a few out. Okay. I'm going to go with the 2022 Gonzaga team. Oh, you're close. To 2021 Gonzaga. Okay. Okay. They're, 2021 they're Gonzaga. They're, okay. They're, they're, yep. They're, that's their second. That's a team with Suggs and Timmy and Kispert. So they were second. So I'll give you credit for that one. All right. All right. Uh, man, Um. I'm, I'm gonna have to cheat and go to the site. Um, <laughs> uh, I can tell you. The, I could if you don't want to guess. I can tell you the last two. Go, I, I'm gonna guess. Maybe was Baylor one of them or no? Baylor was close. Okay. It was. I think they were in the top six or seven, but I don't think they. Okay, they Nova, one. Nova, three. Nova from 2018, Villanova. Yep, Nova from 18 was three. Okay, that's okay. the team with okay. Jalen Brunson. Okay, that's and the, then you get you to give me the last one. <laughs> uh, the, going back to 15, that should give you the clue. Oh, the the Badgers. Badgers, really? Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, they were yeah. up there too, weren't With they? Kaminsky and Decker, uh, my and, favorite oh, yeah. team ever. My favorite oh, they team. Were great. I don't even. And, and the only team to give uh, Kentucky a loss that year. Yeah, and then and the 
poor officiating in the Duke game. Yeah, I don't oh, want to get. I don't want to get into oh, that. I I have watched it again, and it is worse than you even think. Um, <laughs> so that so when does how much does strength of schedule factor into these numbers? I should ask. Like, um, you know, it's it's hard question to answer because you know we have a strength of schedule metric, but I don't factor that in anywhere. Like I said, transitive comparisons come in, and as time goes along. Um, the analytics form these expectations. You know, I throw them out there on a daily basis on X, and I say that these are the the daily projections or the daily forecasts. But really what they are is expectations. Is like, if you're going to retain your ranking, this is the expectation of what's supposed to happen in this game. And that gets formed by all these transitive comparisons behind the, behind the scenes. So this is where I always kind of like say, if you want to walk with the big dogs and want to piss with the big dogs, you got to lift your leg high. So now is the time for BYU to do that. So, you know, BYU going out there and, you know, taking, you know, know, if they're playing in a neutral court against Kansas, BYU is going to be favored by a few points. And people would look at that and go, wow, that's a lot to ask of BYU. Hey, they've shown every sign that that's the team they are based on who they've beaten so far. But now they have to meet that expectation if they want to retain their spot. And this is where a team like Kansas, likewise, right now may not have impressed, may have had some lackluster games, but the moment they go out there and start bashing Texas and they start bashing Texas Tech and they start bashing Oklahoma, they're going to climb very, very quickly. And the, and the opposite goes for those other teams like Oklahoma. If Oklahoma's up there at the top and all of a sudden they start losing games by 20 to the likes of Kansas or Baylor, yeah, they're going to fall pretty quickly. Yeah, I kind of remember, I think it was Indiana only had two losses in the uh, early season, 2022, and then they went to the Big Ten schedule and just got obliterated you know it's just you know you yeah. think they're a lot better than they are and i'm not saying byu is them but we're gonna find out and i think that's the right. fun thing and then sports betters you know we're this is what you are studying you're trying to find out if they really do falter when it comes to big competition so um i find that interesting i think it's going to be a little rough for them and i kind of think that they uh i I, th- I think they will find a stride again though i think it's gonna yeah yeah, yeah I mean, like that. They'll the, grow up a little bit through it. And, and this is why I think you always have to use a balance uh, of the eye test in the analytics because your eyes tell you exactly who these teams are as far as who their ceiling, what their ceiling is. You know, BYU, Colorado State, Oklahoma probably don't have that high of a ceiling, but they've made the most of their talent sometimes and exceeded expectations. So I always like to look at it like this and say, you know, BYU, here's their, here's BYU's ceiling. Here's Kansas's ceiling. Mm-hmm. But where has BYU played right now? Probably right about here. Kansas may have played right about here. Right. But they have so much untapped potential from here to here that they are going to probably tap into that. We've seen this time and time again where teams kind of don't gel so great in November and December, and then all of a sudden they put it all together and they reach that ceiling. Whereas BYU, you know, as good as they've been, are they maximizing? Are they all they can possibly be at this point? And they have nowhere else to go but down. I guess, again, that's that's what makes it fun. Because you know, right now, the analysts are, are just reviewing what they've done so far this season, but they're not looking forward and saying, oh, oh I think Kansas has a higher ceiling, so I'm going to bump them up. That's a great point, too. Yeah, it's a uh, level of talent people have to factor in, too, and sometimes they do that just in 
football and other sports. Like this team's going to mm-hmm. show better, even though they have had their, their hiccups and have messed up against teams they should have beat blown out. But they have the, the talent to do it. This team is just playing a little bit more out of their minds and they're a little well coached. It, it's always the fine thing to talk about talent versus the coaching and the and the and the, and the guys with big motors. It's uh, it, it, talent usually wins in these situations, but you know, that's is the whole fun about college basketball. I'm just going to ask your top four. I see BYU, Houston, Purdue, and Arizona. I think it's interesting to talk about Houston because now Houston, like BYU, is the other team in the Big 12. And now their schedule is going to be way harder than it was with the American Athletic Conference because they were just facing Memphis before, right? It was them yeah. and maybe a couple others, but it was mostly – uh, you know, the situation where they would get a cakewalk until the big dance happens. And now they got to play teams like Iowa State at BYU, TCU, Texas, Kansas, you know, multiple times. Uh, Baylor, it's and you throw Cincinnati in there. I don't know how Cincinnati's ranked 34 now. I guess they're doing pretty well, but <laughs> yeah. I think Houston's gonna be scathed. You know, I think I, 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 I said on one of your tweets, I was surprised how quickly the undefeated teams dropped out this year. Yeah, you know, with Houston, it's gonna be very, very interesting to see defensively. I mean, they're they're playing other world in an otherworldly level right now defensively. Um, it, if, is that going to continue? I don't know, but I mean, boy, that is their calling card this year. I, I don't know. There's people out there saying this is the best defensive team in the last 10 years. And you're talking about Virginia as well in there. Yeah. Um, but again, we haven't really seen the big 12 schedule yet. Once we get going on that and they start facing Kansas and we start facing Baylor teams that can light it up on occasion, you know, it would be, be, you know, it's going to be great. I think there is there a game coming up pretty soon. I thought I was looking at this the other um, oh, BYU and Baylor. That's coming up next Tuesday night. I kind of wish it was mm-hmm. BYU and, and Houston. That would yeah, be that, would be, that would be but, fun. But, just like, but BYU and Baylor is going to be interesting. I'm going to be interested to see if, if Baylor's athleticism is going to be problematic for the Cougars outside shooting. That's, that's kind of what I want to see. Um, but at the same time, Houston plays Iowa State in Ames on Tuesday night as well. So that, that's going to be, you know, Iowa State, are they a paper tiger? Are they going to fold when they meet real opposition? Well, Houston is real opposition. I want to see how well Iowa State scores in that game if they even reach 50 points against Houston because, boy, that defense is is for real in my opinion. Great point. Let's talk about one thing before we get into a few games, and it's your should versus your did, right? Yeah. So I might as well stay in Houston here. Uh, for example, they beat – Jackson State eighty-two to forty-eight, but they should have won eighty-nine to fifty-five. I guess you're just moving the score up a little bit. Uh, mm-hmm. The Texas A&M I found interesting because they should have won sixty-nine to sixty-one, but they won seventy to sixty-six, a much closer game. How do you factor in should or calculate should compared to what they actually did? Yeah, so one of the differences there, so should is that expectation we talked about, which is. Based on the oh, your predicted that, score beforehand. Yeah, the should the should is is the expectation, and that will change on a daily basis. You'll see as you go back as that team moves in the rankings, the previous shoulds will also update. So basically, you're looking at a team right now. Houston is number two in the country. For a team with Houston's fingerprint, today's fingerprint, those are the scores that are in line with a team that is number two with that kind of fingerprint. That's the expectation. And then the did is what actually happened. Now, um, the rate, the difference in the rating and the the efficiency ratings are not going to always match 
match that did. And the reason, and let me explain that the efficiency ratings are going to go up to the analytically final. The right. did is going to be the final score. And I could, if I had data play by play log data for every single game, which I probably have for most games, but I don't have it for everything. If I had it for everything, I could probably list there and say, Hey, <clears throat> this particular game went analytically final at the, you know, 419 mark with this team leading by 22, this score. And so those efficiency numbers that you see there, those are based on the analytically final. The did column is the, just the final score. So it, you, you sometimes might scratch your head and go, well, that's weird because they didn't meet the expectation, but the rating on the far right side is gives them a very high score. The reason that will probably happen is in situations where, say, a team built a 25-point lead, the game went analytically final, and then it, the final score was like a 12-point win, where the, the losing team came back, outscored the other team by 13 down the stretch when in garbage time. But at that point, I've taken all that data out. So you'll see the, analyt the analytically final numbers on the right side, but you won't see it in the did count. Gotcha. So basically, the did column shows what they actually did. The should column is not necessarily it is what they did from the point you stopped it with the analytically final and adding the, the the rest of the time in the game, right? Kind of, you kind of. Remember, the should is the, the the should is just the expectation if they played full bore for forty minutes. What should happen? The did is the final score. And then everything on the right side, the efficiency numbers are all based on performance of that game before it went analytically final. Okay. So basically, if should was lower than what they did, then the rating would be actually higher because or the rating would go up higher or lower. Yeah. Yeah. So, so if if you if you should win by eight and you do win by twenty-one, you're gonna probably see a positive score on the far right column. A, po a positive score in the rating, right? Yeah, yep, correct. And, and it will will it match the should minus did kind of in a way, or or this is just their efficiency rating going up and down, right? That's just efficient yeah. again. Okay. That's yeah, yeah. 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 So what all that is is there's a, there's an expectation, and we do, and we break that down for the efficiencies as well, and everything is adjusted for home court advantage before I I show the numbers here. So you'll see, like for example, if a team is playing you know, at Wisconsin, at, and then they, they host Wisconsin, you'll see the should numbers are going to be the same. Um, the reason for that is I've adjusted all these efficiency numbers beforehand. So those are not the raw efficiency numbers. So the did efficiency numbers there that I, I talked about um, that have to do with before analytically final, those have been adjusted to remove the home court advantages or okay. add them in. One way, yeah, depending on where the game was played. Okay, makes sense. And then so this rating is just, is are these percentage changes? Because obviously they've been in the top six the whole time if you go up 15.28. So, so if you look at adjusted offensive efficiency and, and adjusted defensive efficiency, it's just a sum of the difference columns from those two. Okay. So if you look at, yeah, and, and so that gives you a game rating. And so then you can sort that game rating, and that is a nice way, an objective way of kind of saying, what was the best performance of this team this season? Mm -hmm. And it kind of, it, and it be, and what you're saying is a lot of people would say, well, your best performance is going to be when you beat the best team. Well, no, I don't look at it that way. I kind of say you play, you're playing this team. So you have an expectation. How far above or below that line did you go? 
And that's the rating, the game running. So that's how I like to look and say that's their best game of the season. Makes because sense. They had an expectation here. They are their biggest difference from deviate, as I call deviation from the expectation is here. That's their best game. Their biggest deviation from the expectation below is here. That's their worst performance. Totally makes sense. And that's why, obviously, when teams like BYU are massively blowing out their competition, they're even the, because the, the rating keeps going up so high, they're moving up in the rankings a lot quicker. Correct. And that's what, so that's what you're going to see more often than not. Where When you have a game that comes back and you have a positive game rating, you're probably going to climb in my rankings. If you're negative, you're probably going to drop. Um, that's not all the way through, for example, because other stuff is going on at the same time. So you may have a slightly positive performance where three teams beneath you both had great performances and they jumped you. So all of a sudden, people look, well, I'm 32 and I beat this team and played well, but we dropped to 34. Well, that's that's one reason why. Or a great example of what, what can possibly happen is Purdue was my number one a couple days ago. Mm-hmm. Well, they dropped to number three. You, you want to guess why? Because, because the, the two te- teams, ex- because Arizona, the te- because, and, yeah, right? No, no, actually, because the team that beat Purdue, Northwestern, got his ass handed to them by Illinois. Oh, right, 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 right. So their, so so their strength in, wasn't so, as good. So yeah. that, that brought in a brand-new transitive comparison between Illinois and Purdue using Northwestern as the basis. And as a result, that was a huge positive for Illinois and a, and a huge negative for Purdue. Now, that happens. There's tens of thousands of those comparisons that go on behind the scenes every right, day. Right. But that was one thing. The, the moment that happened in Northwestern, Northwestern plummeted, and all of a sudden that made – that loss, that per, that one loss for Purdue looked that much worse, and that's why they dropped two spots. Yeah, that makes sense. That's almost like a strength of schedule adjustment, right? Right, right. And so that's where I'm like, when you said the question, does strength of schedule come into play? It does, but it comes out, you know, with the wash, yeah, so yeah. to speak. Yeah, so it's it's not something you factor in explicitly. Yeah, so if a team gets worse, the fact that they played them even those two months ago. It hurts them in the current ranking. That yep. makes yep. sense. Yep, and it does, even if it's two months ago, and, and that will hold less weighting. Um, the performances that happened yesterday obviously will have a heavier weighting than something. And that you should do that because of the because yep. of because of the injury factor. So you should yep. definitely do it that I, way. I think I think a game performance burns off roughly half of its weight in something like thirty five days or something like that. I I I had I used to know this answer. I, I don't know what it is anymore, but I think it's something like that. Like half a game's performance's weight is burned off in like 30, 35 days or something like that. You must have some massive equations in the background of this. Oh thing. my god, yes. It's <laughs> there are times when I look at the stuff that I've built years ago and when I had a lot more free time and I look at I'm like, there are times I've looked at my own code and go, okay, so what was I doing here? Okay. All right, I see it now. And there's times I've questioned I'm, like I think I'm wrong here, and then I look at it a little bit more. I'm like, oh, oh, that's what I did. Oh, okay, now it makes sense. Totally. Well, so, man, that's some great, <laughs> just great stuff, man, to talk about though, and I love it. But anyway, we got to get into a few games here. Anyway, Utah. Yeah, and I picked I picked three games from the, this weekend, and uh, maybe if you want to pick one, we can, or we can just do a quick hodgepodge. But Utah versus Arizona, uh, I'm predicting Arizona is going to be around minus nine points, and I just look at the efficiency sites to come up with that. I could be wrong, but it's I'm usually pretty close by averaging it up. The total is going to be pretty high at 163. So what do you think about this team? Um, Utah is actually playing ASU right now. They were just losing. Uh, it's about 
almost tied now. Utah's up 25-24. So, um, you know, it's uh, Utah away from home, I think, is a little bit different away from yeah. home. Uh, Arizona is coming off a nasty loss to Stanford, man. Just a despicable loss. So what are your well, thoughts? Are they, are they might have played someone since then. They're making up for it. They, they made up for it tonight. I don't know if you saw what they did to Colorado, but that was an absolute mugging. I just I'm, I was watching it before I came here, and I just see the score, and they, they took down Colorado by 47. Okay, well, good and for that's them. A good, <laughs> but oh, my God. And Colorado's a pretty good team. But you're going to watch Colorado tomorrow. I'm guessing they will not be as high as they are right now. They, uh, they got thumped. And that's a team that was, you know, again, a lot of people had some eyes on them saying, you know, they've they've really kind of climbed in the rankings based on their efficiency. Margin. I was looking well, at them. I Arizona. was wondering what this would look like today. I stayed and, away and from Colorado, the game, but yeah. And Colorado's a, a very good team, but I watched them and they just looked just completely lost tonight. And that happens. I mean, we saw it just, I mean, we saw it with Arizona. I mean, they lost by 18 Stanford or granted that was more Stanford shooting than anything else. Right. But, um, but it happens, but anyways, getting back to the game. Um, as I have it right now, I think I have Arizona by about 11 and a half. The over or under on that's going to be about 166 and a half. Um, I call it the five hair special. I talk about I talk about hairs and tortoises. Uh, five <laughs> hair special is good. You want a, a five hair special or the even better, a six hair special, which is um, talking about game pace. Now, this is going to be a pretty high octane game if it's five, five hair special, hence the over under of 166 Here's and a half. Here's your five hairs right here, baby. There it is right there. Uh, with Arizona, you know, my question was the same thing. Like, how much of a hangover would linger from that that Stanford loss? Um, you know, Stanford shoots 16 of 25 from three, so I can't really blame them for losing that game. Stanford's probably going to beat anybody shooting 16 of 25 from three. Um, but, you know, Arizona, they've, they, they exceeded the analytical expectation in their first eight games. They failed to meet the expectation of three of their last five, it's going to be now three of six because I'm sure they blew the expectation out of the water for Colorado. Um, but you talked about the home court advantage. And I think that's, a you know, the playing at the McHale Center is a, a big factor there, not just for Arizona, but like you said, Utah. Utah is, I think, a team that you, you see a bigger discrepancy with certain teams where they really do well um, away from home or really do well at home and not so well away from home. You see a bigger, wider range. And I think Utah is one of those teams. Now, granted, Utah um, has overperformed. They started the year about 55th for me, now number 25 or so. They've won eight in a row going into tonight. Um, I think they just got to find a way to kind of limit Arizona's bigs. You know, Umar Balo, Keshad Johnson, Mot Motius Krivas, um, those guys are going to take advantage on the offensive board, and that's going to be a potential weakness for Utah. They got to find a way to stop that. But if you're looking at that game, and I, I, you know, right now, just because of you know Arizona at the McHale Center, yeah, I, I know that you threw a nine number out there. I wouldn't be surprised if it goes closer to that 11, 11 and a half, just because of how powerful Arizona has been at home. And people are going to ride that. I was hope. I mean, maybe it's wishful thinking. I, to be honest with you, I think uh, where does Hasla has it at, or not Hasla? Uh, I think Ken Palm and Torvik have it at nine. So that's what I was kind of looking at. 
Um, and then so, but you you might be right. These are going to change, and now they're going to get a big bump for blowing out Colorado, which is a yeah. good team. And uh, depending upon what Utah does to ASU, you're not. I mean, I'm hoping for under a ten, because um, I then I probably would have played Arizona just based upon some of the stuff you just said. Uh, like love looking at your site the, away from home, they're ranked three hundredth. Utah is a different team away from home, and then at home, Arizona ranks eighteenth. And uh, I love that home road split mentality here i think that's some of the things you have to look for when you're handicapping games because not everybody looks for that and most sites don't even show that you have to like literally look for that stuff yourself you know the cheapest way to do it is look for i I guess field goal percentage offense defense on something like team rankings you know if you didn't have a haslametrics but this kind of calculates it all for you which i really like um, yeah, Arizona, I think, is only inconsistent because of some of their uh, just weird losses and lack of defense. What I will say is, like, Carlson, you know, Utah's got some tall guys themselves, you know, that might be able to somewhat match up. But I don't think that they are big enough and strong enough to go against guys like Balo either. I think yeah. I think even though it looks like their proximity defense is pretty good at Utah ranking 40th, at the, at the truth is, I think that could be a little bit more skewed based upon some of their schedule strengths as well. So um, I know they have a decent strength of schedule, 20th, but Arizona's is 7th. I would have considered laying it, but it, I, I think you're right, unfortunately. It, it's probably going to be 11 or so. And, you know, this pace, this uh, this total is going to be in the 160s. You wonder if you got uh, the cojones to take something over that. <laughs> Well, you gotta, you know, you gotta think about a little bit of the regression back to the norm again. I mean, this was, a, you know, the, everybody talked about the regression back to the norm from the Stanford game. This is not the Arizona team that we expected. Well, tonight's kind of the same thing, but just in reverse. I mean, beating you know, Colorado by that amount of, you know, it, what forty-seven points is ridiculous. Right. So, you know, is it going to be overblown? I mean, that's the thing. Sometimes I look and I'm, I have a good feeling. I'm th- shooting about eleven, eleven and a half out there for Arizona, and all of a sudden it wanders. And if it gets to 12 or 13 or something like that, then you start saying to yourself, okay, this is a Utah team who's who's getting a, a dozen points. And this is a good Utah team. Don't forget that. Yeah, with if Lovering, they have, they have a couple seven-foot guys there. Yeah. So if you're getting those points and you're going into double digits with a good team, it's almost sometimes you almost kind of have to – it, it, it can really change. What I what I see on a daily basis is there's teams I'm like, I would expect this. I'm I'm definitely going this route. And then all of a sudden I see the spread has wandered too far in one direction. And I've actually gone against the bet that I was originally gonna go with. So I have it to. really depends on where it's gonna wander. But if it's but if it ends up at like 11, 11 and a half, that that's gonna feel about right to me. That's probably gonna be about right to me too. But uh, it's gonna be a great game to watch because of how well Utah has done so far. They're kind of the quiet team right now in the Pac-12, and uh, uh, you know you wonder if uh, they kind of pick it up here coming up throughout the schedule. You know, it's funny is like this is the last time you're gonna see a Pac-12 schedule. So here you go. They're yeah, gonna be changing right. everything, unfortunately. But you know, some people's uh, welcome it. Let's move on to the next game, and uh, what did I pick here? I think I picked North Carolina versus Clemson. Uh, I, I have Clemson laying about a point to a point and a half. The total is 157. Now, we saw that big North Carolina win against an undefeated Oklahoma on the neutral court. I think it was in Charlotte, right, that that happened. So I, I, you call that a semi-home court. But um, I think this is going to be interesting. I think North Carolina is definitely – improved it's weird how Caleb Love has left yet you know 
they still are, you know, they still got Bacot and a couple other guys. And uh, Clemson has been very surprising this year. Now, I was against them yesterday at, at Miami. I'm lucky I'm, I, they were losing. Miami was losing at half, and then Clemson kind of went cold a little bit in the beginning of the first, yeah. the second half, and that's how they won. But I got to say that, you know, Clemson, you have them ranked number 13 and number 15 here. Clemson 15, North Carolina 13. So do you see any matchup advantages here? Yeah, Clemson, I got Clemson by about three, and this went over under is 159 and a half. Um, Clemson, like you, you hit the nail on the head. Um, really surprising team. I thought not really surprising, but you know, they've, they've exceeded the expectations. They have a top 10 offense, which is something I probably didn't see coming. They really shoot the three point. Well, their number the three pointer. Well, they're number four in the country for me and adjusted three point percentage. Joe Girard shoots 45%. He's a great get from Syracuse. PJ Hall has really upped his game. He's averaging 20 and seven this year, mm-hmm. up from 15 and six a year ago. But like you said, maybe they're going to come in here with a little chip on their shoulder coming off a 13 point loss to Miami. Granted, again, the Canes shot 11 of 24 from three point range. So again, if you, teams are shooting that well, it's hard to beat them. Um, maybe a little bit of an Arizona kind of thing after they played Stanford, um, considering how Stanford shot the ball, maybe the same situation here. Um, but I do like North Carolina. I think they've they've won three in a row. They all, all three of those games came back with positive game efficiency ratings. Uh, they beat Oklahoma on a neutral court. They won at Pittsburgh. Both very good wins. Um, you know they're balanced. They have a lot of ways to beat you. Four guys are averaging over eleven points a game. Um, more than adequate shooting. A big leap from last year. They really struggled shooting from distance last year. They finished the year uh, adjusted three point percentage two hundred sixtieth. At the end of last year, they're 26th right now. R.J. Davis shooting almost 40%. Harrison Ingram, a great get, shooting 43%. I look at UNC right now, and, uh, you know, I, I'm i going to say this out here, hot take, <clears throat> but maybe they're that UConn kind of team. I'm going to say the UConn kind of team from last year, which is Ooh. kind of in the, in the high end of the pack, but under the radar. They have the depth. They have the shooting. They have the size. I don't know if, if you can kind of um, – you know, put uh, Sonogo and Klingon and match them up with Baycott and Washington. I don't know if Baycott and Washington quite reach that level, but, um, you know, I, just something I'm watching right now of North Carolina that I think they could be a team that could be the chosen one for me. Now, right now, they're 15th in offensive efficiency, 27th in defensive efficiency. I think to be a national champion, you got to be top 10 offensive, top 10 offensive efficiency, top 35 defensive efficiency. They're already there defensively. They just need to climb up a few spots offensively, and then they have that fingerprint of a potential national champ. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, it's just tough because Clemson or North Carolina has performed away from home. I I thought beating Pittsburgh the way they did handily was different from what they were the last few years. You know, um, I know that they had hiccup against UConn, which is completely understandable and then Kentucky was just a very close game on neutral courts uh the Villanova one was a little bit more of a head scratcher but the way they yeah. beat the way they beat Tennessee man that was interesting that looked like UConn a little bit when I when I look back at that Tennessee game at the end of November there and uh and then the way they manhandle Oklahoma now we don't know if Oklahoma's real or not I might stay away from this game as well but um Clemson on the other hand has been shooting uh the three really well ranking 11th and three point percentage. Uh, their effective field goal percentage is in the top 20. 
So they're shooting really well, but their defense hasn't completely been well. It hasn't traveled well. I know they're going to be at home for this one. Probably going to be a fun game to watch, but I'm not sure if I'm going to pick a side here. For some reason, if North Carolina is favored on the road, then yeah, I would probably take Clemson. But yeah, definitely. I I think the same way. I, even if you give, even if Clemson is is favored by a point and a half, I might still go with them just because, you know, I I think Clemson is a really solid team. I think they that. Miami game is a little bit of a mirage based on how Miami shot the ball. Granted, they shoot shoot well, but still. Um, and then North Carolina, again, won three straight games, all positive game efficiency ratings. At some point, you're due for a little bit of a pullback, and North Carolina's got that target on, just like any blue blood does. Right. Clemson fans are going to show up for that game. They're going to be ready to go for that game. So, you know, I'll be interested to see, and I, I think your one-and-a-half-point spread might actually be – pretty close and i wouldn't be surprised if the spread actually does dip to the other side if that happens i'm probably with you i'm probably climbing on clemson oh me too man no we'll find out that's gonna be a great game now let's move on to our alma mater the wisconsin badgers hosting the nebraska cornhuskers and this is gonna be interesting because nebraska just had a massive win against indiana i don't know Oh my God! I was watching that game, and uh, I was it Mast hitting all those threes there. I, I can't remember who it was. I think it was Mast. Uh, no, 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 it wasn't Mast. It was it was uh, um, C.J. Wilcher. That's who it was. It was C.J. Wilcher hitting oh, okay. all those. It was just kind of the random six five dude hitting all those threes. You know, he's shooting like fifty percent from three the last like. 15 games or something something i just saw some stat recently he's been absolutely playing out of his mind but you got to look at nebraska and kind of take them somewhat seriously you know i seem going to see a spread and it's going to be like wisconsin minus eight wisconsin minus nine something like that right um that's what i think is going to happen anyway maybe it'll be down to seven but uh mm-hmm. i think nebraska deserves some respect in here at least and uh i i, w- I wouldn't want to lay a lot of points with wisconsin now on the other side of things I, 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 Wisconsin's shocking me a little bit, man. I, I didn't know that they would kind of run through Marquette, Michigan State, uh, Virginia the way they did. No, I know they lost early to Tennessee and Providence. And after they lost to Providence, I thought this was going to be one of those terrible seasons again. And all of a sudden they mm-hmm. beat Virginia, SMU, Marquette, Michigan. I'm like, wow. You know, th- that Arizona loss was ugly, and they just weren't going to catch Arizona in that game. Arizona could miss in that game. But, you know, they had a really nice win against Iowa. Uh, I know Hepburns have been a little bit beat up. You know, Blackwell kind of came from nowhere, uh, playing very well. AJ Store transfers in, right? He's doing mm-hmm. really well. Um, uh, Klesbitz playing a little bit better than he did last year. The only p- the person that's not playing well is his Seijin. You know, he's not yeah. even seeing a lot of playing time right now, which I find is strange. But Blackwell, uh, the freshman, has really uh, showed people that, like, holy cow, this guy's the sixth man, or maybe he's going to be a starter here really quick. Um, I, I would say that I'm going to look at the under. You know, there's a lot of efficiency sites that have this at 145. But I think that Nebraska is a little bit different on the road. Um, according to your uh, metrics, uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, not on, not on the road. I, I, they are inconsistent is what I want to say. Mm-hmm. They rank 358th in consistency is what I'm trying to say. I think that inconsistency could either be, you know, the high score that you saw last week but um, or last two nights ago, or it's going to be one of those lowest scoring Nebraska games while Wisconsin still 
how many turtle shells? You got one turtle shell here, but uh, <laughs> there's other sites that have them a little bit slower. Sometimes they will pick up the pace against the worst teams, but Big Ten play in general is a little bit lower and a little bit slower. I don't think Wisconsin wants to get in a foot race with the Nebraska team because they do very well in that. I think this could go under 145, but what are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, so the analytic expectation is Wisconsin actually only by six. The over-under is pretty close to what you had. I think you showed 145 for me. I have 145 and a half, so it's going to be pretty close. You really hit the nail on the head. A lot of the comments I had with Wisconsin are, you know, what we've seen. You talked, you touched on the season. Um, sounds like he has a confidence issue. Sounds like he has a defense issue. That's why we're not seeing him out there. Um, but you talked about how, you know, they really got hot. Started with that Virginia game. They had five straight double-digit positive game efficiency ratings. And during that stretch, when you look at those wins, really great wins, Virginia, SMU's a very good team. Marquette's a very good team. Michigan State's yes. in there. Those are great wins to have in your back pocket in March. The Arizona game, as you said, was ugly. But since then, they're playing largely around what you'd expect to see from a top 25 team. They're at, at the number 25 spot, not a top five team. But they're playing right around what you expect someone who's number 25, and that's where Wisconsin pretty much is for me. Um, for Nebraska, this will be their third true road game. The third true road game. Um, they've they've only played two road games up until now. One was a loss at Minnesota, and then they had the win at Kansas State, where they held Kansas State to 12 points in the second half. Um, and this is a Nebraska team that is again trending upward. Four out of their last five games positive game efficiency ratings. They've won all five of those games, and they're looking at a 12-2 and two start. Uh, um, that's more wins than in three of their last four seasons, uh, you know, in completion, with the exception right. being last year where they won 16. Um, but, you know, I, at this point, um, again, I a lot of these teams like we're looking at here, like Wisconsin, Nebraska, I, I, I typically don't throw a lot of money on these games. What I end up doing, and I'll throw this out there as a little thing, is I kind of have a little side list that I – um, create through the season where I have my covers and I have my fades and I have kind of three different levels of, of like, eh, I'm a little sure I'm solidly sure. And then I'm all in on either a cover or a fade for these teams. A lot of like, uh, and, and oftentimes with the exception of a team like Michigan state, who I've been banging like hell to cover the last few games and it's been paying off um, like Nebraska, Wisconsin, not showing up on my list. So it's probably something I'll lay off. All right, fair enough. You know, one thing I noticed, uh, even looking at your site here, is Nebraska, they got some green against Wisconsin, especially from the three-point percentage and from the near proximity. It's like I, I don't I don't look at Nebraska as a good near proximity team. Now, um, obviously, we'll see if that strength of schedule that only ranks 260th <laughs> helped that out a little bit. Sometimes yeah. it does, and you can't over-adjust for strength of schedule. But uh, that's kind of where I see uh, a possible defensive game a little bit more than people think, even though Nebraska likes to run a little bit at Wisconsin will pace it out if needed so um, it's going to be a very interesting game coming up this weekend but let's go out of the hodgepodge here uh, you know it's funny you mentioned Oklahoma and Iowa State well they play each other Saturday so I love that yeah. and uh, you know your metrics have Iowa State winning this game at home 74 to uh, actually 70. on the road it's at Oklahoma yeah. oh, oh sorry on the road um, yeah. yeah, sometimes I see the top and they're at home on yours. I don't know why I said that this time. Well, yeah, so I always put, and I've gotten people saying that before. They're like, well, how come you don't, the, I, the order can change. I always say whoever is going to win the game is always on top, and then whoever's in bold yeah. 
is is the home team. Right. So okay, good call. And and I should I should have remembered that because <laughs> I actually did know that. <laughs> I just got confused. But here we are. So we are at Oklahoma. But yet you you know you think the spread might be a little bit towards Iowa State here. You know Iowa State, and this has been their thing from last year. They just are bad away from home. You know that's kind of what they their mantra has been. And Oklahoma um, playing a little bit out of their minds. I mean, who doesn't love Oklahoma's coach? You know, I mean, uh, I just feel that Oklahoma had it. You know, after that nasty loss, they kind of stepped back. And, you know, they beat Central Arkansas. It wasn't wasn't extremely you know a, a tough game, but they won their next two games against them in Monmouth. But now they have to prove it against Iowa State. But Porter Moser, um, you know, after what he did in Chicago there uh, at Loyola, you know, earned this spot right and. Uh, I can see him getting these kids up for this game against Iowa State, but I don't know, man. This could be another one I, I stay away from, just, but I would lean Oklahoma just based upon Iowa State's bad home road splits. Yeah, they're, they're, this is a classic example of two teams that we, we, we touched on earlier about having that weak strength of schedule, so we have no idea really at this point. Which is, I mean, these teams are kind of a mirror image of each other, potentially, um, in that – We've only seen like they're kind of a, a half face. We haven't seen the other half of their face, um, so it, we don't know <laughs> which one of these teams is truly going to step up and, and which one's not. Um, based on the analytics, you know, it's interesting that Oklahoma, even though they're at home, they're going to be a what two point dog, at least from the analytical standpoint. I wouldn't be surprised one bit if that shows up flip flopped when it when it opens and Oklahoma's a two point favorite, um, but. You know, hard to say just because these teams have not really faced a lot of tough opposition. This is going to be a start of a gauntlet for them in the Big 12. Um, I, I really shouldn't touch that. I'd be flipping a coin if you're asking me what's going to happen in this one because I, I don't think anybody really has an idea what's going to happen because we don't know who's for real and who's not. Absolutely. I think Iowa State might be favored here. And so if that's the case, and if it's not down to a pick 'em, I'm going to take Oklahoma in this game just based upon their metrics and their uh I, I like the coaching on the Oklahoma side, and I just think that Iowa's a little bit worse uh away from home. So that's what I'll do in this situation. But I will say Iowa State has been amazing, especially on their fast break break points. Uh if Oklahoma doesn't clean that up, they uh and and they let the turnovers happen there they could absolutely lose that game as well eric that's all the time we have man we covered a lot like we always do i really appreciate your stuff and your great site where could our listeners and viewers get your great information yep so i'm out there right now all my ratings my rankings my bracketology my projections over at haslametrics.com otherwise if you want to find me on twitter or x i'm out there going hashtag <laughs> analytically final my handle is Haslametrics. Make sure you follow Eric for for college basketball and all the fun stuff he says on Twitter. Eric is a great follow and a good time. Thanks again, Eric. We'll be talking soon. Thanks, buddy. All right, my friends. No sharp money report right now as uh, obviously the lines have been going crazy in the NFL and we only have one college football game that really just has about 74% of the money on uh, Washington itself. No, no change. 74% of the bets are around on washington as well but thank you so much for listening to this show if you have any questions for us feel free to email us at info at the oddsbreakers.com tweet us at the oddsbreakers have a great weekend i hope you win all of your plays and go get some winners